listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start uh, in the middle of a section here about anxiety. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verses 28. And we're going to read all the way through verse 30. So my friends, my family in Christ, would you hear these words of Jesus? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive, today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This is the word of the Lord. Now last week, as we keep trekking through the Sermon on the Mount, we saw that food and anxiety could be related to God's future provision for us here on this earth. It relates to the question, will God provide for me what I need in the future? But today, we'll see how our anxiety about clothing is related to our anxiousness around not how our Father perceives us, but how others might perceive us. You see, what I'd like to show you this morning is how most of us, most of us, like the rich and the powerful and the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they view clothing as a way to reflect and add value to their lives. While food and drink relate to earthly sustenance, our clothing relates to our earthly status. See, clothes weren't merely for function and protection back in the day and even today. But clothes are for position and reputation within our community. I mean, have you ever been out and about and you did not have a rain jacket or an umbrella on a rainy day? And you're standing in a store, and there's your car, and there's that normal Pittsburgh weather. It's just pouring down rain. Now, I I would say maybe you have a tiny bit of anxiety over whether or not your clothes are going to get wet. But they're just clothes, just a little water. It'll dry, right? But I want you to imagine not having the right clothes for the right social function. What happens in that moment? What happens when we look into our closets and we say we have nothing to wear? It's not the fact that there is nothing to wear, because there is indeed something to wear in that closet. It's the fact that we're ashamed of what we don't have to wear. 
and we'll be embarrassed about what we have to wear in front of others. See, what I want to put before you today is that clothing, clothing, while it is about protection, it's more about the perception of others around us. There is a way, Jesus says, there is a way to dress that isn't driven by anxiety and unrest. Do you hear me? There is a way for you to dress that isn't driven by your anxiety and your unrest. And we're going to see that through three different lenses this morning. The first is the creator and clothes. The second is the creation and clothes. And finally, third, it's coverings and clothes. What I hope that you see here today, what I hope you'll take away is that there is There is a way for you to dress. There is a way for you to put on your clothes in the morning that is not going to be driven by anxiety and stress. You all ready to dive in? First point, the creator and clothes. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, says this. He says to you, why are you anxious, verse 28, about clothing? Why are you anxious about clothing? Now let's review what anxiety is by first viewing what it's not. Remember what we said last week? That our anxiety reveals where our treasures are. Anxiety reveals our world of treasures. And this is not clinical anxiety that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not even talking about the natural anxieties that come up when there are real or perceived threats coming in the future. No, the anxiety that Jesus is talking about here in this text is anxiety like the Gentiles, who are anxious about food and clothing. They're anxious because they think that they have to provide for themselves what only God can provide for them. The anxiety that Jesus is referring to here reveals what the true treasures of your heart is. He knows that we will be at rest and that we will be at peace, then what we treasure the most is safe and secure. But he knows our souls will be filled with unrest when what we treasure the most is threatened and could be taken away from us. And so he's asking you right now, why do you worry about what you will wear? Why are you anxious about what you put on? Now, to understand the why, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning in Genesis. Because clothing was present not at the founding of creation but rather at the fall. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed about a tree. Clothing then came into the picture. Adam and Eve were naked and ashamed. And instead of rejecting Adam and Eve, God showed his first act of grace. What did he do? He clothed them. He showed his first act of mercy. 
He clothed them in their nakedness and their shame. And then from Genesis 3 onward, we see that the function of clothing is multifaceted. Clothing is meant for protection. It's to protect us from the harsh weathers and the elements of all the weathers, from the rain, the sun, and the blistering cold. But clothing also conceals. It conceals our nakedness. And clothing is a form of provision. We even see God during the 40 years, you heard me right, 40 years, 40 years of wilderness wanderings. He provides for Israel what they could not provide for themselves. Clothing and shoes that what? Did not wear out. Read with me in Deuteronomy 8.4. Moses says, your clothing did not wear out and your foot did not swell those 40 years. But clothing also displays and represents our status here on this earth. Do you remember the story of Joseph? How do we know who Joseph is? Well, it's not because of his name. It's because he was Jacob's favorite son. And why do we know this? Because of his coat of many colors. Clothing symbolizes status. And the clothing can be symbolic of moral and spiritual qualities. Israel was not meant to dress like the rest of the nations. And so there was a command given to Israel that you are to wear clothes that are made out of one material, not multiple like the rest of the nations. It's not that multiple materials are bad in and of themselves, but Israel was meant to be set apart. They are meant to be holy as God is holy. It also is representative of our emotions and the status of our emotions. What happens when people mourn in the Bible? What do they wear? Sackcloth and ashes. It's no different today, right? We wear clothes that are symbolic of death at funerals. Dark, black clothes. Clothes are even worn by people to symbolize how much superior they are than others. I mean, just think about what's going to happen over at Heinz Field today. People are going to be decked out in black and yellow because they think their team is better than the rest. But it wasn't just for silly things like sports to think that you're superior in. No, the rich, the powerful would dress themselves in clothing that would rival the Met Gala that happened this last week. And Jesus knows his audience on the hillside. They were the poor, the weak, and the marginalized. As he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, these people would be concerned about clothing, yes, for protection, but more for perception. They're more concerned about clothing because of the perception of others. You see, what is the one way we can seemingly control the opinions of others? What is the one way that we can look a certain way on the outside, all cleaned up, but we know the true sense of our heart on the inside? What do we do? We dress to impress, don't we? can make it look like it's really great on the outside when it's not so great on the inside. Many of us, I'm presuming here, 
Many of us have loved the pandemic dress code, have we not? I mean, we love walking around our homes in sweatpants. But when it's time to go out and about in public, what do we do? We change. We don't want to look like we're lazy, like we're unprepared. I mean, some of you who work from home, you even do this during your Zoom meetings. This is what I call the Zoom mullet. We're a business on the top and slumber party on the bottom. Nice shirt on the top, sweatpants on the bottom. But why do we do it? It's because we treasure the perception and the opinions of others. It's because we want to look more prepared and more professional than what we really are. Don't we? This is what the poor, the broken, and the marginalized were watching before their eyes, what it meant to be religious or spiritual. They watched as the religious elites would parade around in their clothes to make them look more righteous and more holy than they actually are. But Jesus wasn't duped by their clothing. Jesus says in Matthew 23, read with me in verses 27 to 28. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly you appear beautiful, but within you are full of dead people's bones of, and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What they put on, they were attempting to conceal what was underneath, not just their skin. They wanted to conceal their sin. What are you attempting to hide? What are you attempting to conceal underneath with what you wear? These religious leaders looked better on the outside than they were on the inside. And Jesus says, why are you anxious about these things? I don't care about those things. Why do you? What I care about is in here. What I'm concerned with is the heart. Why are you anxious about those clothes? Why are you so concerned with the perception of men when you know the perception of your father? This is first point, the creator in clothes. But now let's look to the creation in clothes. Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. See, in verse 29, Jesus invites us to consider the creation all around us. We live in a world where last week we saw that the birds feast and here we see that the flowers of the field dress better than the wisest and wealthiest king in all of Israel's history, Solomon. And Jesus is inviting us to direct our gaze out of our closets and into the fields. This is what we called last week general revelation. What is general revelation? I got some definitions up here for you. General revelation is God revealing himself through his 
world, while special revelation is God revealing himself through his word. See, general revelation in Romans 1, it says that everything that has been made, it can be clearly perceived that God's invisible attributes have now been made clear. Even in Psalm 19, we hear the psalmist sing, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. Day and night they pour out speech. All of creation around us is declaring how good, holy, set apart, and faithful our God is. And Jesus says, my friends, are you worried about what you're going to wear? Hey, come to the window with me. Come on over. Look out there. Have you considered your father's creation? Have you considered those, those flowers in the field? They don't have to toil. They don't have to spin. They don't have to weave. They don't have to sew their own clothes together. They don't have to work to make themselves look beautiful. And I tell you, that Solomon, his wardrobe, his clothing doesn't hold a candle to the field's wardrobe of lilies. You see, Jesus, just as last week, wasn't advocating for a life without work, but a life without anxious work. He is not advocating for a life without clothes, but a way to dress that is absent of anxiety and unrest. He's advocating even that you can dress in splendor and beauty without having worry be the driving factor. Now, right now, many of you, because the weather is clothing, uh, clothing, it's, it's changing, what you're doing is you're pulling out clothing from storage, right? How many of you guys are pulling out your fall and winter clothes? Yeah, a couple of y'all. And you're looking at those clothes and you loved them last season. But this season, you're wondering, how can I wear that again? There's no way I'm going out in public in those things. I have to buy some more clothes, which is amusing when we say we have nothing to wear because you had to create storage for all of your extra clothing. But what Jesus is inviting you and me to do right now is to hit pause. And realize that we have something to wear. That we currently have and will have just like the grass of the field is clothed with beautiful lilies. We can be the one who wears clothes absent of worry. You know what will happen as a result? We will find those who are absent of clothes to clothe them clothe those who are in need because those who are content with food and clothing they stop looking selfishly at themselves and begin to look outside of themselves we cannot forget we cannot forget where this passage lies in jesus's sermon on the mount do you remember what he said at the beginning of chapter six he says and when you give to the needy not if you give but when you give to the needy, he expects his people to give. 
He also tells us not to lay up treasures in our closets where moth can destroy your garments. What Jesus is presuming here is those who are not anxious about what they will wear will give away anything extra that they have to wear. They will agree with John the baptizer when he says to those who are repenting and accepting the kingdom of heaven that if anybody has two shirts, let him give one to the one who has none. And if you would have food, you should do the same. Many of you have come up to me and asked me the question, what about the people who have no food, no drink, no clothing? What about those people? Does God care about them? Why doesn't God clothe them? I'll tell you why he doesn't clothe them. It's because those who have more than enough hoard their something from those who have nothing. You hoard your something from those who have nothing. Why? What keeps us from being generous towards others like God generously clothes the grass of the field? It's because we forget. We forget this good news of general revelation. We forget that just as God has not forgotten to, to clothe his creation in splendor and glory and beauty, he will not forget to clothe us. You know what happens when we forget that God is the one who provides these clothes for us? We will spend our treasures. We will spend our treasures on our own closets because we treasure what others think about us above providing for the needy among us. Do you hear me? We are so anxious because we treasure people's thought about us so we spend more on earthly treasures while ignoring the needs around us. But Jesus is inviting us not to treasure your closets where moth can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. He's inviting us to put our treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. That is the creation and clothing. And finally, the third point, we see the covering of clothes. Would you read with me in Matthew 6.30? But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Now Jesus, he's directing our gaze towards the creation. And here is the implication. If God so intimately and lavishly clothes the grass and the flowers of the field which are here today and gone tomorrow, they are finite. They have an end date. They have an expiration date. How much more will he clothe you, children, who have been given eternal life through Christ Jesus? We who are in Christ don't have an end date. And if he's willing to clothe those that do have an expiration date, how much more will he clothe you who will be with him forever? See, Jesus is inviting us to remember, is not your life, is not your body more than clothing? 
Is not your life more than what you put on? Verse 25. See, when we are anxious about what we put on, it reveals our truest treasure. When we're anxious about what's in our closet or what's not in our closet, it reveals what we value the most here on earth. And listen, it, it doesn't matter if you come in here as a Christian, if you come in here as a skeptic, or if you come in here as an atheist, if you come in here burnt out from the church. If you have a pulse right now, all of us struggle with what we put on. We all think that what we wear determines our worth. We all want to hide ourselves in, be it a watch that we wear, clothing, or it could be more than clothing. We could hide ourselves in a car. We can hide ourselves in our house or our second house to give off the impression that we are better than what we really are. We can hide ourselves in a job title. Some of you college students want to hide yourself in a cap and gown so that you won't be seen as a failure to your family. And we value clothing our life with these things because we worship the approval and the acceptance it brings. We worship the approval and the acceptance of our horizontal relationships above and beyond the acceptance and the approval that we already have from our Father in heaven through Christ Jesus. I mean, we are all expert chameleons, aren't we? We know how to dress to fit into certain circles and certain functions around certain people. We know how to keep our anxieties at bay because if we can just look good on the outside, we can suppress the anxiety and the fear of being found out that is happening on the inside. Am I just preaching to myself or are you with me this morning? This is what I struggle with. if I can sound good on Sundays or look good on Sundays to get the thank you preacher what are you trying to put on maybe for you you're so so deep in debt right now that instead of coming out of hiding you keep buying to give off the perception that you have more than enough. Try to hide your shame. Maybe some of you in here, it's not just women who struggle with this, but men as well. You struggle with body image. You're not big enough in some places and too small in other places, and so you just have to fight find the right type of clothes with the right fit so you're not embarrassed about how God made you and created you in a crowd of people. Or maybe for others of you, it goes deeper. You've been harmed. 
You've been abused. And your body feels nothing but ugliness. It feels dirty. It feels unworthy. And so you look to stuff. You look to clothes to clothe you in your shame. What is it that you are trying to hide? And what is it that you're attempting to put on to cover your shame, to cover your guilt, to cover your anxiety and worry about being found out? What is it? Remember, clothing is not just garments to protect you from the elements of nature. Clothing is also garments to protect you from the perception of others of feeling shame, of feeling guilty, and the anxiety of being found out. And what we do is nothing different than our first parents, Adam and Eve, tried to do when they were found naked and ashamed. What are you trying to sew together like Adam and Eve's fig leaves in order to not feel exposed, in order to hide the most embarrassing thing about you. See, clothing in the story of the Bible is first marked by absence of clothing. That Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked and not ashamed. They were naked and not ashamed. But then after the fall, after sin came into the world, what do we see them doing? Trying to fashion together leaves to cover them in their shame because they are now naked and ashamed. And we all do this. We all try to sew something together to cover us, to cover our guilt, to cover our fears, to cover our anxieties. But the fig leaves that Adam and Eve sewed together, their attempt to conceal their shame was a pathetically ineffectual effort to deal with human shame. Because only God can provide a covering that we cannot provide ourselves to hide us from our shame. And this has been the story of every human being. Every human being since Genesis 3 has attempted to hide themselves in what they can sew together. Hide themselves in what they create. It's not just clothes, but it's careers, it's jobs, it's degrees, it's houses, it's second houses. We attempt to look at temporary things to cover an eternal problem. Because what will happen to these temporary things? They will be here one day and they'll be gone tomorrow and we're still left in our fear and anxiety of shame. And why are we anxious about clothes, about things? It's because we think it's on us to cover our own shame. We think it's on us to control the perceptions of others. We think it's on our own efforts to control even the perception of God. But look at what happened to Adam and Eve when they attempted to cover themselves when they realized that God was walking in the cool of the garden in their midst. They didn't come out and say, here we are. Now, what did they do? They ran and they hid because their feeble attempts 
to cover their shame did not work. So they hid. But what did God do in that moment? Where was God? He comes out and he covers them. God makes the first move towards them. God makes the first statement towards them. He says, where are you? And God makes the move to cover them with clothing that they could not create themselves. With animal skins. See, one of the first steps, one of the first steps that we have to cover our shame, one of the first steps is, it's to uncover it. God invites them out of hiding. God invites them to come out and stop attempting to cover their own guilt and shame. But even more, do you see what had to happen in order for their shame and their guilt to be covered? Something had to die. Something had to bleed. Something had to be sacrificed so they could be washed clean. So they can have garments that are covering them in all of their embarrassment and all of their shame of what they did. And Jesus says in verse 30 of chapter 6 in Matthew, how much more? How much more will he, the same one that clothed your first parents, Adam and Eve, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He looks at those who are putting a lot of faith in the temporary things around us to cover us. And he says, why do you look so much to those things to cover you and look so little at me? You're looking too much at earthly things and looking too little at the heavenly things. And the issue here isn't whether we are 100% full of faith, but whether we have even the littlest bit of faith. Listen to me. It is not the amount of faith that saves you. It is the object of your faith that saves you. Even those with little faith, when they look to Jesus, they will have great faith because they will see the greatness that is within Jesus and not within their own faith. It's not the faith, the amount of faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith that saves us. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Spiritual Depression, as he's talking about depression and anxiety and worry and doubt, he says this, we can only conquer our doubts by looking steadily at him and by not looking at them. That is our doubts, our worries. The way to answer them is to look at him, to look at Jesus. The more you know him and his glory, the more ridiculous they, your doubts and your anxieties, will become. You see, the more you look at Jesus with your tiny mustard seed of faith, the greater your faith will become because you're seeing how great Jesus is. You'll see how much more Jesus has clothed you than he clothed himself. You'll see how much more he invites you to come out of hiding to uncover what you've been attempting to cover up with earthly things and earthly clothing. And why can you come out of hiding right now? Why is the invitation not to worry about being found out? It's because there is nothing you can expose 
that the grace and the mercy of God cannot cover. There is no trench of sin and shame that is so deep that Jesus' grace and love for you isn't deeper still. For like Adam, Christ, Christ was naked at his birth. And like Adam, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. But unlike Adam, unlike Adam, Jesus wasn't clothed to cover his nakedness and shame. No, 30 years later, Jesus went to the cross, stripped of his clothes. His clothes divided and his garments divided by all the soldiers. Why? So that he can be clothed with our guilt. He can be clothed with our shame on the cross. Like Adam, something had to die, something had to bleed, something had to be sacrificed in order to cover the guilt and the shame of the world. But unlike Adam, Jesus says, I'm the one who must die. I'm the one who must bleed. I'm the one who must be sacrificed so that all the shame that the world deserves, all the guilt that the world deserves, all the penalty that we all deserve would instead be laid upon Jesus. See, on the cross there is this great exchange where Jesus gets what we deserve and we get what Jesus deserved by faith. He is clothed in our sin and our shame and by faith we get clothed in his robes of righteousness and glory. We get clothed in God's acceptance, clothed in God's love, clothed in God's approval, not by anything we do, but solely because of what Jesus has done, that when you put your faith in Christ, over a hundred times you see the word in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We are so far hidden in Christ that God no longer perceives you or sees you as you really are. But he sees you as fully righteous. You are hid in Christ's righteousness. You are hid in his clothes of righteousness. You are clothed in Christ. This is why we sing, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked I come to thee for dress. Helpless I look to thee for grace. Foul Unto the fount, unto I fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. The most comforting message in the whole Bible is that you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to fear being found out. You don't have to worry about the perception of others based on what you wear. It's because of this amazing truth. It's that God's grace is bigger and more powerful than any brokenness and shame and guilt you could ever expose. And so the invitation is not to clothe ourselves to look more holier than we are. It's to admit that we're not holy. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. And when we admit that and trust in Christ, he then clothes us with a robe of righteousness that doesn't produce stress, but produce rest in our soul. This is the invitation this morning. 
You don't have to hide or be anxious about what you will wear. Why? Because your life is more than clothing. It's more than that because you are so hidden in Christ's robes of righteousness. Amen? This is why we don't have to be anxious. There is a way to dress that isn't driven by anxiety and unrest. Why? Because we are clothed in Jesus' robes of righteousness. Let us be a church. We are not controlled by the perception of others. But a church that we are known and loved because we know the perception of our Father. That because of Jesus, we are deeply known and deeply loved. And that puts all anxieties, all fears at bay. Thank you.